You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. And welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm John Norman. Alongside me, ESPN Crick Info's George DeBell. We're sitting on a grassy bank. There's no Barmy Army, though. They've all gone because it rained again here in Hamilton, taking out an hour of play towards the end of the day, just as it was starting to get a little bit interesting. Uh, England, uh, thanks to the Centurions, Rory Burns and Joe Root, uh, confidently predicted yesterday by uh, Stuart Broad, by the way, um, steering England to 269 for five at Stumps. Uh, but a couple of late wickets for New Zealand just brought them back into the equation. Uh, we're going to look back at that and more here on the following on podcast from Talk Sport. So, George DeBell, um, as Stuart Broad um, said in his post-match press conference after day two, he was uh, especially looking forward to Rory Burns getting back in amongst the runs. That happened. And uh, also Joe Root, uh, a much-needed century from the skipper. Yeah, he did need it, didn't he? It's not as if he were going to be sacked as captain or anything like that, but he needed it for his own mental well-being. He needed it for a bit of authority in the dressing room. He just... He just needed it, and his team needed it too. If they were going to have any chance of winning this game, as we said yesterday, uh, England had to bat well past New Zealand and then try and bowl them out, you know, bat, bat once, basically. And they've given themselves an outside chance of doing that. I think it's still pretty unlikely, but they're still in the game. Yeah, the forecast for Monday isn't great. Rather, Tuesday isn't great. That would be day five. Uh, but England have kind of about done what they needed to do. Let's look back at the day with story of the day. Well, I suppose it is just that, isn't it? The fact is that Joe Root hadn't scored a century since uh, TalkSports covered uh, that third test match against West Indies. That's six, seven, well, eight test matches ago. Um, he scored one today and he could go on and probably will on day four. And alongside Rory Burns, much like uh, on occasion when New Zealand were batting him at Monganui, it was a surprise when there was a wicket. That was as comfortable as we've seen England bat in quite some time. It was exactly what we've been asking for them to do. They did learn from what New Zealand did at Mount Monganui and they played 
are within themselves. They play pretty chanceless cricket. I think Jeru only drove one ball for four. He only drove one ball on the offside in front of square for four in his whole innings. And a huge number of his runs, 69 I think it is, have been just tucked off his hip or into mid-wicket on the leg side. So he has put away the drive largely. He hasn't pushed at the ball. He's just played within himself. Look, I don't think it's in many ways massively attractive cricket but it's the cricket you have to play on these sorts of sluggish wickets Uh, and so instead of sort of playing the cricket he wants to play regardless you know the flash cricket or anything like that he played very mature very responsible cricket and you can only give uh, a lot of credit for that Uh, he needed it it's what his team needed he's leading from the front in that regard and uh, hopefully it will give him a lot of confidence you know for the next few months you asked a question of Rory Burns in the presser. Let's hear it, actually. It was asked a question about his change in tempo. Actually, it might not have been you. It might have been Lawrence Booth from the Mail. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're not going to hear the question itself. Let's hear what Rory Burns had to say about the way he operated uh, today rather than the way he operated towards the end of day two. Yeah, it was, I struggled a little bit with my uh, sort of tempo yesterday evening. I, I basically just kept seeing it and wanting to, wanted to climb into it and give it the, the kitchen sink. So... Um, it was one of those things where it was more of a mindset shift rather than a technical shift. I just tried to let the ball come slightly, uh, just in, in all my play, and, and sort of kill it underneath my eyes, and then uh, and move it on from there, trying to expand from there. Begs the question a little bit: Why didn't you play like that at the end of day two? I mean, essentially saying he was waiting for the ball, wanted to get his head over it, and he wanted to play a little bit more cautiously because mentally he wasn't quite there. Yeah, he was lucky uh, the previous evening. Then no doubt about it, he was dropped twice. But all he could do is take advantage, and he did. And he he was actually largely faultless today. I thought he played really, really well. And again, he played within his limitations, but he did pull. I mean, he actually looked a lot more fluent than Root. And, you know, the fact is that the partnership was only split when he ran himself out. Um, And it, for most of the day, looked like that was the only way that was going to bring a wicket. And there's a little reminder there that actually their job wasn't done. They were still, you know, 150 behind or more at the time and uh, actually England needed them to bat on for another couple of sessions really yeah absolutely Um, ball of the day or rather shot of the day because it was more of a shot day than a ball day although a couple of those balls towards the end did keep a little bit low um, was uh, he was excellent on the pool wasn't he Burns there was a really good little passage of play with Neil Wagner digging it in and he took it on um, and it was controlled pulling and actually the 150 run partnership was uh, brought up with a, a brilliant pull shot I think against Matt Henry um, that certainly was my shot of the day um, lol of the day well, I've got a few I've got one as well, well you, we you talk, go well, you go talked, first we talked about one at tea and now I can't remember what it was no I can't oh yes of course it was the age it took for the third umpire to, to deliberate and decide that Roy Burns was at, in fact out because the bales were clashing with the colour of the England cricket shirt or something and the angle couldn't show didn't show the bale lifting off the groove before the bat had crossed the line but essentially the middle stump was bent out the ground so unless the umpire thought that gravity had been suspended it was definitely out but he wasn't completely convinced by gravity was he so how long did we wait i don't know it seemed like about a month and a half if we're honest it's probably about four minutes most of his test matches seem like it's gone on for about a month and a half there were a couple of lulls actually in the presser i mean only if you're quite tired and a bit delirious but I, I thought it was quite funny when um, uh, Rory Burns has asked about his moustache, I think. But the 
clip that should be used is the second I get home, my wife's going to have it off. And we've all been there after a long tour. And the other thing was, what is... Actually, shall we hear that? Let's hear that little clip. Very good. Having it off. And the other thing, which I haven't heard anyone say since the 70s sitcom. But anyway, the other one was... Well, uh, the moustache suit, it actually reminds me of a character from a 70s sitcom. So, you know, the two going hand in hand. Well, the 70s was all about moustaches like that, wasn't it? Well, have we told people that that was, we believe, the first moustachioed England test centurion this century? Since 1996, apparently, and Jack Russell. Seems hard to believe, but we've been through them. And obviously you don't, ex- you don't include people who've got beards with their moustaches. Anyway, so and the other thing was, um, he was asked about if he had any advice. And he said, Stuart Broad told me he fancied me last night. I thought that was an interesting insight into the team dynamic. But maybe I'm just immature. My, my laugh out loud moment of the day took place. When was it? I don't know if I made a record of when it was. It was quite late in the day. That's right, yeah. Neil Wagner's had a bit of a problem. Had a bit of a problem with the footholds on occasion. Uh, he had it at Mount Monganui, didn't he? Yeah. Anyway, the grouser came on with a big mallet, started pummeling away, and then Wagner took the mallet from him and started pounding the earth, much like Thor, the god of thunder, would have been proud of doing when turning out for the mighty Avengers. So that was my lull of the day. Mistake of the day. Yeah, we talked about Rory Burns running himself out. Actually, he could have been run out twice, couldn't he? It was a shy... Basically, he's coming through for a single. There was a shot at the stumps and on the striker's end. Latham was perfectly positioned behind the stumps to take the ball and knock the stumps over. And Matt Henry, for some unknown reason, thought he was MS Doney standing in front of the stumps, sands at wicketkeeper gloves, and it just completely got in the way of what would have probably been a run out of Burns way before he reached the century. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was a, a proper error, wasn't it? So I suppose when you start to list them, Rory Burns has been quite fortunate, as he was when he made his first test century at Edgbaston. But I do think that there was some fluency here, and I, I do think he got the tempo about right and, and did his job much better. Look, he, he said one of the, the primary emotions he had at the end of the day was disappointment for not going on. But, you know, he has got a test century to his name, and uh, it's the first time for a long time. Well, it's the first time since the Oval and the India Test. So when Alistair Cook was still playing, the England have had two centurions in an innings, I think. And that's what you need if you're going to win tests, particularly on surfaces like this. Tim Southey, let's hear what he had to say when you asked him whether he'd rather bowl with a Duke's ball. Well, would you rather bowl with the Dukes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Sean, to the point. I mean, it's been talked about quite a lot, hasn't it? Uh, Michael Atherton on uh, Sky Sports was saying it. I mean, I heard the other day, I don't know if it's true, but Kookaburra have designed a new ball, or developed a new ball rather, taken three years with a more pronounced seam, which will, uh, to quote the press release, stay harder longer and will uh, swing more and will obviously just give more aid to tiring bowlers. It's difficult. Why will it swing more? Well, why will well, it swing more? I don't think it'll swing more. It might just have a more pronounced seam. So it might seem more. I don't particularly get that it will swing more. I don't think the kookaburra is probably round. That's that's the problem with the kookaburra. It's not really round, like a Duke's ball. Because it's two bits put together. And so there's a seam in the middle that is, I don't know. If you you put it in your hand, there's a reason it doesn't swing. And I think that's what it is. So I don't think it'll swing more. I think it it might seem more, and that's fine. I don't know. I think... (laughs) I think the problem with the kookaburra is that it encourages a certain sort of cricket, which is fine, but it sort of encourages uh, big, strong, hit-the-deck fast bowlers, and that is great. 
but I'm not sure it always encourages skills quite as much. But that's all. Uh, we've Look, this has been a massively attritional series. And there have been times when I've thought to myself, thank Lord this isn't on free-to-air TV, because it could put people in England off for a generation. You know, if you, if you took your kids to this game as their first introduction to cricket, I don't think they'd beg you to be taking you back. Say, take me to see BJ Watling leave the ball for two hours and score three in a session. I mean, really? It, it's, it's kind of OK to those of us who are proper cricket geeks, but if you're, if you're not... If it, I think this is quite a hard sell, to be honest. Yeah, no, I can see that. I think it's important when your team wins and when you're a kid. I don't think you really care in some regard how it comes about that your team wins. But yes, um, you know, asking the paying public to travel 12,000 miles. It's just as well this is the most beautiful country on earth, basically. Otherwise, you wouldn't have anybody here. No, it's amazing. I mean, we keep saying this, don't we? But you know, we went for a wander around the ground at tea time, didn't we? Mm. And you keep bumping into people who say, oh, it's so lovely to have you here. And, oh, have a great trip. And it's very different to Australia where they don't say that so much. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, moment of the day. Well, it's got to be Joe Root reaching three figures, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he he, uh, he actually undercut one. He, his under edge yeah. went for four. But he his beam of joy, his punch of the air, and that was a big smile he had really did speak volumes because he needed that 100. He he needed this innings. Uh, it just gives him more confidence in himself, um, a bit more authority. Not that the team in any way are, uh, uh, were doubting him. They really aren't. There's no sign of that. And there's no sign that the management were about to get rid of him. There really isn't. But I just think he will feel more confident in himself and it will feed into other areas of his captaincy. There's still a long way to go. He's got to do it more often. He hasn't had a good year. It doesn't make up for all that. But it is a, a significant step in the right direction, I think. What did you Google during the boring bits? There must be a lot. It wasn't as boring today, though. Oh, do you know, I can't even remember. I wish I could, because while I was doing it, I was thinking I mustn't tell you what I was doing. <laughs> well, I can tell you what I was Googling. Um, do you know, someone told me today that Hamilton has got one of the worst places on earth for hay fever, and I'll go with that. Um, but I didn't Google that. I'll have to Google that tomorrow. I don't know why it is. I was Googling... John Bracewell. Oh, yes. And Fred Goodall, the uh, the former New Zealand umpire who's involved in... Yes, yes. ...in all that... The Colin uh, Croft thing. The Colin Croft thing, the Michael Holding thing. And also, I was reading a story about him. Um, <laughs> he got... Oh. Who was it? It might have been Alan Border. Let's just say it's Alan Border. Essentially, Richard Hadley's... Sir Richard Hadley's 300th test victim was Alan Border. And Fred Goodall gave him out LBW after an age. And Alan Border thinks that he wasn't out and Fred Goodall just wanted to be part of Richard Hadley's 300th test wicket. <laughs> That's not even in the top 10 good stories about Fred Goodall, by the way. No, I mean, I, I work quite a lot with Colin Croft and he, he uh, it's fair to say that age hasn't mellowed his views. Uh, but he disputes, by the way, that he, he's... I've heard him deny that he did that on purpose. By that, people won't know this necessarily. Oh, no. Essentially, he was running into bowl. Is this correct? He was running into bowl and he just shoulder barged the umpire. Yeah, he ran into the umpire. I mean, have a look on YouTube. The the clip is there. Um, Colin Croft, umpire. We'll probably find it. Uh, And you could decide whether you think it's an accident or not. I mean, it doesn't look like it, you'd have to say. But uh, who's to say? I think the umpiring on that tour was very poor, but um, it doesn't excuse the... uh, the behaviour. I've, I've just thought, by the way, on your advice, I did my compliance training 
but I did it at lunchtime, genuinely. But during play, I did do my expenses. So um, does that count as looking things up on Google? Oh, and I also looked up when we're next here. And there's no sign, there's nothing in the FTP, uh, the Future Tours programme, about when England next come to uh, New Zealand. And that's a shame. It actually fills me with a bit of panic. Because this is, uh, I mean, we're in paradise. It's, it, we're incredibly privileged to be here watching cricket. Uh, and uh, the idea that we're not coming again in the, in the foreseeable is, is really upsetting. Well, I was thinking about this because I, I agree, we're not scheduled to tour. England aren't scheduled to tour here. And the uh, FTP goes up to 2023. Yeah. But, of course, this is not World Test Championship, correct? No. Yes, England have true. to play here in the next four years, surely? One thing I did notice, I'm jumping a bit here, but one thing I did notice is there's a very attractive-looking three ODI tour in the to, Netherlands. To the Netherlands. Oh, well, believe you me. <laughs> Let's hope the BBC aren't listening because I am very interested in... <laughs> getting the rights for that one <laughs> no, but, I mean if you're a sort of uh, supporter looking at which tours to follow I mean bearing in mind how attractive the England uh, ODI side are anyway and also the cultural delights I mean there's the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam for example uh, that does sound like quite a lot of fun so I was looking at the future tours program and thinking wow um, but no New Zealand anyway I'm sure it'll be resolved um Anyway, I'm off to secure rights for that <laughs> Netherlands series now and hopefully we'll have a, a huge announcement tomorrow, this time tomorrow, about TalkSport <laughs> Talk covering that tour. Uh, that does bring us to the end of the following our podcast for now. Uh, day three at Seddon Park. We'll be replaced by day four at Seddon Park. 24 hours from now, we'll look back to see whether England uh, can go past New Zealand's score and maybe maybe put a bit of pressure on their batting as well towards the end of the day. Before day five, it gets rained off and it's a draw. New Zealand win the series. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, you're listening to following on podcast, subscribe, review, Acast, iTunes, Spotify. Thanks for listening and we'll be back tomorrow. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 